0: This is the Worship Team Training Podcast. Now, here's your host, Brandon Dempsey. Hey, what's up, worship leaders, pastors, and friends? Thanks so much for coming back to the Worship Team Training video podcast. And we are here today hanging out with us, Shannon St. Louis. This guy is the worship leader that every worship leader wants to know, who has known, but yet doesn't know everything. So I'm Glad and just uh I think this is a treat just to have him on. Shannon and I met way back years ago at a songwriting conference and you've seen his stuff everywhere. Uh he's an encourager, he's a great friend to many worship leaders, a great friend to me. And so let's talk in. What we're going to be introducing to you today is about getting your guitar chords in shape so are you tired of the same old guitar chords that maybe you need to find a quicker way to change chords in between playing in time all these things that you know you need to do but just like every one of us you just don't have the time to learn it well shannon today is here to help us share simply how to produce new fresh sounds that helps all the worship leaders that he's trained and to help us show what we can do to be at ease with our guitar playing so a little bit about Shannon. Uh, he has written a debut CD entitled Songs from the Hope Farm. And among those top four singles are Your Mighty Hand, Your Will, When the Day Ends, and You Won't Stop. He's also author of a worship training ebook entitled Unseasoned How to See Godly Growth in an Inexperienced Worship Team. You can find that on his website. St. Louis music.com. He's also the worship pastor at cross point church and released uh, that you can find on all streaming music platforms. Morning will come. And it's a collection of songs about God who is in control of all of our brokenness in every season. Again, you can find that back at St. Louis music.com. He's with us today. Shannon, what is up? Thanks for being with us today, bro. How are you?
1: good morning uh well it was a beautiful day uh a few days ago and then today it decided to get cold and rainy so um i'm a little bit wet and a little bit chilly and uh that was in the plans for today i did not check the weather app and uh so that's disappointing but otherwise i'm doing well
0: well hey it's great to have you indoors so let's just go with that yeah. all right shannon let's get right to it go ahead and take us into the chords and shapes that you're talking about
1: yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I learned and it, and it helped to me when I was young and learned how to play guitar is um, when you're playing with people, um, when you're at least capable of playing with someone, you learn a lot faster being able to work with a team. And uh, so what I did is tried to come up with a way of teaching guitar um, to my beginner guitarists that would put them Take them from zero to at least being able to jam with someone else as mm. quickly as possible. And some of that means reworking some chord shapes. I mean, F is a monster, bar chords are a monster. Um, but even then, there's a lot of things that once you learn G's, C's, and D's, changing, moving between the chords to where you can actually play a song in a quick ma- fashion um, takes some time. So, what I did is kind of rethought through how the chords. Can be shaped in a way that can make someone be able to get to the point where they can they can learn the chords quickly and then learn how to play the instrument in time with other musicians as as quickly as possible. And um, here's some of them that I came up with. Now the G major, I'll turn here. Looks like what most people use is a G, except I actually anchor. So you've got your um, your um, on the third fret of the E string. You got the actual G note. However, um, I also add, uh, which this is pretty common, I've seen a lot of guitarists do this, but on the, on the B string, also on the 3rd fret, we anchor that D. And the key for all of this um, is going to be um, that anchor string, that um, your, your ring finger on the 3rd fret of the B string, I try to keep it there for all the chords, because what that does... make it so you can very naturally switch between chords and learn to do so quickly without having to stare at your hand. Um, You've got that anchor finger that you're moving your other fingers in relationship. So instead of doing a standard C chord, which looks like this, I teach them first a C nine, which also has that um, those two strings at the top that's on the third fret, the E string and the B string making, um, the G and the D on the top of it so you can move quickly without even looking at your hand because those top strings have not moved and then you can switch uh, to as a D chord you can use a standard D which still keeps that anchor there on um, the D on the third for that B string or you can even use a D sus as your substitute for a standard D using both those strings. It's a quick transition. In place of the A, I actually use A sus four. Or you can lift up your pinky finger and still have that anchor on your ring finger and you'll think it's an A sus two. And for the E minor, I substitute in E minor seven. And um, the goal is to get them playing along with songs and have them capable of serving in some area of worship ministry earlier rather than later, because playing actively, using your gifts, skills, and passions encourages growth, further growth. And I feel like that's a win for the church. So you've got people you can first go, okay, well, they know those basic chords. They can start serving in a small group Bible study, or they can start serving uh, solo in some area of youth ministry. Then they can raise up into the youth band or the college band, playing together with some of the other amateur musicians. And you're able to work them into the teams because they've got the basics down. And I also encourage capos I know some people hate on capos and I think that the capos are bad when they're used as a crutch that's not that's less than ideal a capo uses a crutch is less than ideal but when you're first learning um, uh, a capo can benefit someone to be able to play quicker but the other thing is is when you're playing in a mix of a band I have found lots of times the G chord shape cuts through in the mix better um, because the tones are very similar to the piano, the keyboard, if you're playing in the middle, or you're also playing ele- with, with an electric guitar. If you're using standard guitar shapes, those don't cut through in the mix as well as the bright tones that come from that um, the, these, these two strings at the top, using a capo, playing in C, but playing the G shape all the way up here it cuts through in the mix in such a way that I am a very pro capo using person. And um, I actually have a blog somewhere on my blog. If you, if anyone wants to be directed there where I wrote the benefits, the joys of a capo well used, um, because I think there's a lot of benefits to that.
0: Agreed. Yeah. I love the capo myself It produces different colors on the um, different wider registers that you can use. You know, and and it promotes some different, um elements of light around what everyone else is playing and a good good point here that it cuts right through the mix totally agree with that Um, when you think about let's talk about rhythm now uh you have a technique called the record playing strumming technique can you unpack what that is tell us
1: well again and it's for the same purpose of um of, uh, and it's some, I actually had to use it at first, too. I, I learned, I was self-taught as a guitarist, and then I had to take lessons to correct a lot of errors that I made. And um, at the time, one of my band members was a pro-level, pro-musician. Uh, I had an old band named Set on Edge, and the lead guitarist for about 15 years did all the music you hear on NPR, He was their producer of all their music, and um, he was just an excellent player, and I took some lessons from him. And he originally gave me the idea, and I came up with the name for it. And uh, the problem with strumming is when you're a young guitarist and you're trying to learn the transitions between those chords and remember all the chord shapes, and you're also trying to play in time with the rhythm of the song, your right hand is just a distraction. Um, So when your people are playing and they're going... You're trying to remember the timing of moving your hand at the right time. And I'm like, how can we get that out of the way? And the fact is, you lock your right hand into moving in time with the click or in time with the rhythm of the song, whether it's touching the strings or not. And I think it as in your pick and your right hand is the same as like the arm for a record player and the needle for the record player. If you lift that needle off the record player and when you drop it back in, it's going to be unless you do it manually but if you use the bar it lifts right up in the same spot And when you drop it in you're right in time you're right mm-hmm. in the same spot that you're supposed to be in on the record and i was like well we can use your right arm the same way and um i guess it actually would work better <laughs> uh you want me to stand up and <laughs> it could work um, Sure. to get and so i just get my arm movement in time the one two one two one two one two and you only hit the chords if there's a spot my right hand moves the whole time I keep my hand moving in time with the song mm-hmm. and all that's happening is the difference between whether I'm actually hitting the strings or just air guitaring it <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um what I have found is that um teaching young guitarists to do that it's it's like 10 times the amount the house quickly they go from learning their basic chords to being able to play with a drummer and stay in time using that technique because it's less to think about Their right hand is moving the whole time whenever they hit the strings they're in time um Mm -hmm. no matter when they hit the strings they're in time with the drums because their right hand never stops moving and it's just counting the beat and um, it, it takes a lot less effort and brain power so they can focus on getting the left hand correct and moving between those different chord transitions And um, uh, I have seen some mu- musicians go from zero to pro using that. Um, I can't remember if I've talked to you about this um, but um, off the top of my head I from my youth worship team, one of them declined a records deal from Sony. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of them played on uh, I think now two Foo Fighters albums one of them has been a worship leader out at, uh, for Jesus Culture and uh, another couple of them have served at IHOP in Kansas City and, um, and when I see them implementing stuff and moving on instead of quitting and getting frustrated and uh, it's just encouraging it makes me know well hey this technique seems to work Um, They get plugged into teams, and they keep growing, and they stay with it. And uh, so that has been really encouraging for me, and that's the reason I continue to use it.
0: Hey, friends, just want to thank you for listening and downloading the Worship Team Training Podcast. And we ask that you do subscribe by finding us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Don't forget to visit our website and get your worship ebook for free at worshipteentraining.com. Slash e news and be sure to check out Confessions of a Worship Leader. Thanks so much. And let's return now to our podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what you're saying is um, what most people don't realize that guitars are actually a percussive instrument because you're striking the string. And, um, as you alluded to the drummer, uh, very true that their right hand in playing drums is the same thing as far as them keeping time. And that never stops, just like how the guitar pattern for guitar players never stop also. So I like the way that those are two brought together and, um, that should give us as guitar players, the ability to remember that, you know, we are a percussive instrument. It, you know, we, we can do this like a drummer in a sense because it is about keeping time. Yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, so tell us, you know, we, this is great. You, you talk a lot about, uh, guitar shapes, chords, changing rhythm, but what about you? What's your story, Shannon?
1: Well, I, I was raised in a non-believing home, uh, I guess you would say that. I, I committed myself to atheism when I was seven or eight years old. Um, my father was not a believer. and My mom would say she was, but she was agnostic, um, just with a little church history. And so growing up, the uh, theme around my house is there's no point in discussing God or politics because nothing is true and no one is right. And uh, so the first time I ever visited church and came home, my parents immediately cornered me and made sure I didn't join a cult. Uh, And uh, in the South, that's a weird thing to imagine because church is is, uh, so common here. But in the culture I was raised in in the North, um, it was it was looked at suspiciously. And um, but I was invited to join a band when I was in high school. Uh, I think I was 13 years old. I started out writing songs for them, a kind of manager role. And uh, the lead singer, it was a messed up band. The lead singer ended up in prison. And so they were like, hey, Shannon, you want a job? You can sing, right? Ended up being the, the lead singer for the band. One by one, various members went to rehab and came back Christians. And so that was part one of the influence and impact on my life is that by the time I was 17 years old or 18 years old, I was technically playing in a Christian band as an atheist. (laughs) I was the one non-believer. And it was, we had an agreement like, okay, I'll sing your lyrics. I saw them as like positive as long as I I was writing songs that were positive. My songs that I was writing were like anti-drug themes and stuff like that. And the songs they were writing were Jesus themes and they, they kind of went together fairly well uh, it only got awkward uh, the time I remember playing a concert at a roller rink and they actually handed me a sheet of paper and had me um, uh, present the gospel. <laughs> I was like, I'm reading this thing off the paper and I'm thinking, ah, I don't know that I believe any of this. What? Uh, but overall, we remained friends. And so that planted some seeds in me. But um, what really happened that was uh, profound in my life is also during high school, um, uh you feel like you're indestructible. Hmm. And um, I did so many crazy things that could have, should have killed me. Um, my wife has forbid me from telling about half of my childhood stories to my kids. So they survived high school. And, um, but then when you finally face loss, my um, closest cousin passed away, falling off a bridge into icy water. Um, one of my childhood heroes who I'd looked up to since, kindergarten uh got hit by a drunk driver and died and the lead guitarist of my band overdosed on um, uh, some hard drugs and while overdosing ran out into the street was hit by a semi and it was like suddenly my mortality was right in front of me and it made me ask the question like man am i right and i remember staying up till two and three in the morning most nights just laying there in bed asking the philosophical questions and then one day i went to the town library, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what is real, and I'm going to find out. So I checked out the whole religion section. I read the Tao Te Ching, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, the Bible. And I just went through every religious book, some Plato, some I could get my hands on it, and, and it taught anything about spirituality and philosophy. I read it, and one by one, I went through each one of those things, and I was like, nope. I can't even live this out. I couldn't figure out how Buddhism could even be practically applied to the world I was living in. So I went step by step. And the one thing that stood out to me, I thought most of the Bible was absurd. And then I hit the book of Proverbs and it shocked me reading the book of Proverbs because um, so much of it was clearly and obviously like practical truth. I was like, wait, this was written 3,000 years ago. And that was what first got my attention. I was like, okay, Bible isn't trash. There's, there's some good stuff in here. This is interesting. And so it kept me reading. It kept me digging. And um, uh, then I got to the life of Jesus. And when you've read that many books on, on spirituality and all this, and you get to the life of Jesus, I know that Jesus isn't a modern biography. The Gospels are not written like modern biographies. But when you've read all this ancient biography. And then you get to Jesus. The one thing that stood out to me, I was like, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy was real. Yeah. This guy was a real person. I could tell it was a totally different kind of writing that I'd encountered in any of those other books. Um, and I fell in love with the person of Jesus, the human figure of Jesus. I didn't, I wasn't sure if a God existed, The idea of the Trinity and that Jesus being God made no sense to me at all. I thought it was absurd. I remember when someone told me about the Trinity, I went back to some of my friends and laughing. I'm like, hey, guess what someone told me today? That Jesus was God and that God is also God. And that this Holy Spirit, they're all God at the same time. And they looked at me like, yeah. I'm like, wait, you think that too? I mean, it blew my mind. I was like, this is crazy stuff. But over the course of learning and digging into the life of Jesus, my heart opened more and more to the possibility of God because I could not see how Jesus could be who he was and do what he did unless there was a power behind that. And mm-hmm. so it was a long process. I mean, I I went really, really slow through old German liberal historical Jesus books up through evangelical stuff, reading, reading all these things and studying until one day I, I remember just thinking – Oh, gosh, I really believe all of this. I really believe all this. So I basically followed Jesus into Christianity rather than thinking there's a God. I'm a sinner. I need to repent and trust Jesus. It was a a very different backwards process. But um, the thing that really changed my life, and I remember getting to this point where um, I really believed that Jesus was real and that God was real and the Holy Spirit was real, but I did not believe the scriptures at all. And um, I ran into this academic who wanted to throw the book of Jude in the trash. And um, And he was like, why is this even in the canon? And um, he knew a bunch of other academics. This is in Athens, Georgia. And all these guys were chemistry professors. And some of them were philosophy professors, several linguists some experts and in um, Hebrew and Greek were all standing on the room and they all went, well, hey, why don't we do a study on that? That would be fascinating. And so I started meeting with these guys and for six months, we found the three earliest um, existent copies of manuscripts of the book of Jude and tried to retranslate them back to what we thought the original Jude was so we could analyze it and see if it, we thought it was actually canonical material. And the process of that was so mind blowing and I can't go into all details. I mean, that's a whole podcast almost in itself, the scholarship of what I discovered. But um, there was something beautiful in discovering that book of Jude, which clearly is something written in haste by Paul to correct Jude in some massive errors. And it looks like he's even angry. Like Jude, you're an idiot. Stop. Is how I would sum up the book. When you step back and you look at the actual Greek and uh, you get back to that original text It is a poem within a poem, within a poem, numerically the, the, the number of letters in, in each section line up to, you can do math equations off of the book of Jude. It is a work of beauty. And so it's like, it made sense to me suddenly how someone could simultaneously be writing from their heart and that God could still be sovereign over the process to bring about what he wanted. And I was like, okay, oh, mind blown. The book of Jude clearly has the hand of God on it. I can't explain it any other way. And I'm like, if so insignificant, I don't think we get a single doctrine from the book of Jude. I, don't, I really can't think of one thing. If we threw it out, would, would, we would lose from the canon. So if a book as insignificant of Jude can be that absolutely beautiful and amazingly handcrafted by God while Paul's like writing down this quick letter, I suddenly was like I think I believe the whole thing it totally changed my perspective and from that point on it was not is this true it's like okay how is this true how am I supposed to understand it in line with uh, what the writers were doing and um, from that point on I went from being just a Jesus follower like yeah the word of God I I love this thing I want to learn everything I can and uh, I I was full in at that point
0: Mm. that's awesome that's an awesome story I love that it's uh it is a beautiful thing to see how god's word opens up the mind and understanding in, in ways that we could not even explain yeah that's nice. fantastic uh so uh, shannon this is this is awesome just to hang out with you today and and thanks so much for sharing uh your heart and also your zeal for ministry and helping young people, young generations and guitarists and worship teams, uh, authoring, making music, everything that you're doing right now. Uh, so it's a pleasure to have you today. Thanks so much for being on.
1: Thank you, Brandon. Loved it.
0: Yeah, you bet, man. And uh, everybody, uh, you can find Shannon's website again and his music at SaintLouisMusic.com, And that's saint spelled out S-A-I-N-T lewismusic.com so we're going to have shannon back with some more things later on it'll be exciting to have him and exciting to have you so guys thanks so much for being here today on the worship team training video podcast we'll see you back soon next time bye this has been a worship team training broadcast and digital production with your host and training director Brandon dempsey Worship Team Training provides live workshops and online resources to help inspire, create, and transform the leading of worship. We'll see you again right here on worshipteamtraining.com.